Hi, I'm Mike Osborne. I serve as the executive pastor here at the Heights. I also direct the ministry services team. This team's the most diverse of our ministry teams as it includes facilities, finance, guest services, and missions and outreach. I'm assisted in this task by both Jennifer Harris, assistant to the executive pastor, and Rhonda Wynn, assistant to the senior pastor. The ministry services team believes that our ministry is to provide that place for you to physically come into, spiritually grow up in, and obediently go out from, thus offering opportunity to connect with God, His people, and His mission. Our behind-the-scenes crew includes Stephen Matthews, Director of Facilities Management, Jay Roddenberry, Director of Facilities Services, and Cindy Moore, Financial Secretary, all who work throughout the week to provide that place to which you can come and connect. Also a part of giving you that place is Debbie Hurman, our Guest Services Director. She and her team of volunteers seek to make your experience here each time a pleasing and welcoming one. But it's not just about connecting to one another on campus. It is connecting to God's mission as we go out into the world and serve Him. Wes Rose, our missions and outreach pastor, leads us in reaching our world for Christ, whether locally or globally, through the facilities and planning. Ministry services provide support for all the other teams, but it also helps to provide opportunity for someone to connect, to grow, and to go. One of our members, Andy King, is an example of how that works listen to a part of his story. Hi, uh, my name is Andy King, and um, I've been coming here to the uh, to the Heights Baptist Church for about eight years. We had a guy who came to our adult Bible fellowship one day, and uh, he was talking about this mission trip to Nicaragua. And I thought about it for about 10 seconds, and that's all it took. And um, I was just like, you know, there isn't, if I'm going to connect um, and I'm going to serve the Lord. There is no thinking about it. I'm, I'm going to do it. I've, I've been down there six times in uh, three years. When Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, um, that's what you're going to do. And so that's what I decided. I've been doing it ever since, and I don't think I'll ever stop. So We were made to be connected to God, connected to the gifts He's given to us, and connected to each other in real community. That's what our church is striving to be about, being connected. Because here at the Heights, we believe life is better connected. And it's a lot of fun getting to see that theme of life being better connected, kind of spreading out. We see it on the shirts all over the campus today. Last week, we did the stream uh, in the snow. We, we did the message from my house, and it was fun seeing the life is better connected all over Facebook. We started this series, uh, Life is Better Connected, a couple of weeks ago, saying we're, that we're, what we're talking about is being connected to God, and then through being connected to God, being connected to each other. We saw first Jesus talk about being connected to God and saying that we have to be, in John chapter 3, we have to be born again. Not, not here's the list of works you need to do, here's the religion you need to be a part of, or here's what's good enough. Isn't that the way our mind normally thinks? What, what's the religion? What's good enough? But what Jesus said, you want to get connected to God, you want to go to heaven, you need to be born again. And in Genesis 3, we saw why Jesus said that. Because spiritually, we're dead. 
Dead people are not connected, not to God, not, not to others. So we need to have a new life. We need to be born again. And when we are born again, we are brought into relationship with each other because we're all adopted by our father. We're, we're siblings now. We're a family. And we saw in Matthew 12 where Jesus raised this family really to the same part of the same level that we would think about our family at home. In the same way we would think about our, our devotion, our love, our commitment, our loyalty, our, our obligation in, in time, in money, in energy. The way we would think about our family at home, that's the same way we're to think about each other in here. It's a blessing to have this, the spiritual family, but it's also a responsibility. It's a responsibility to, to love one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, and, and on and on and on. And, and you remember, it is on and on and on. You remember we looked at that a couple of Sundays ago and saw over 30 commands of what we are to be and do for one another. So, so we, we have heard all this. We need to be born again. When we're born again, we're a family and we have a responsibility to one another. Well, based on what we've heard... I want you now to hear this. I want to hear, I want you to hear a few words from Jesus. And these words come at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus' longest sermon in Scripture, uh, probably his most well-known. And he concludes this three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. He concludes this with these words. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And Jesus said, okay, if you hear and then you do, then you're going to, the, the product of that is going to be wisdom. You're, you're going to make right decisions. You're going to move in the right directions. And you're going to build your house on a rock. And of course, he's not actually talking about a house. He's, he's talking about our lives operating from, living from a position of strength. And we all want that. We all need that because there are storms in life, right? And, and he goes on to talk about storms in verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Okay, and then verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, Okay, so now we have two people in his story. We've got a person who hears and does, and they're, they're, the result of that is wisdom and, and operating from a position of strength. And now we've got a second person who hears and doesn't do. We don't know why they don't do. We, we don't know how that comes about. But for whatever the reason, they hear what God is saying. They interact with what God is saying, but they end up doing nothing about that. And, and there's a product of that. He said that that person is like a foolish man. Okay, that'd be the opposite of wisdom, right? That's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And then one more passage. This is from James. You remember James is the, the brother of, of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. And... Uh, he makes a statement here in his letter in James that you think, I bet he was at the Sermon on the Mount that day. I, I bet he heard what Jesus said because James writes this and says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. 
Same theme as Jesus, this whole interaction between hearing and doing. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Listen to this, deceiving yourselves. Now I get if I'm, if I'm hearing and I'm not doing, then I might, okay, I'm, I'm being disobedient. But, but why is he saying I'm deceiving myself? Is it possibly because we think that the, the whole goal is just to be hearing and to interacting and if we've done that, we've done what we need to do and, and we're okay, no, nothing else needed? You know, folks, if you think about it, the Bible encourages a lot of interaction with it, doesn't it? We're, we're supposed to read it, study it, we're to, we're to obey it, we're to memorize it, we're to meditate on it, we're to teach it, we're to proclaim it. A lot of activity with this book. But all of that activity has always one goal. When I'm meditating, when I'm memorizing, when I'm studying, studying alone, studying with others, whatever I'm doing with this book, the goal is action. The goal is that I end up, we end up doing what it's talking about. It seems to be of some concern to God that you and I might get in a habit of hearing but not doing. And clearly he's saying that's not okay. Not okay because it makes him angry, but, but not okay because it, it leaves your life in a position that you don't want to be. You, you don't have the wisdom. You don't have the position of strength. I think that's something to really ponder and think about because I think sometimes in church we kind of condition ourselves to do the very thing that God's warning against here. We come to church and, and we hear the word, we read the word, we study the word and, and maybe we're inspired and, or, or convicted, maybe we're encouraged or maybe we're challenged and, and we think, boy, I mean, I'm kind of hearing God's word and I hear what God is saying and, and we're kind of interacting there with the Lord and we, we kind of maybe have this God moment, but we got to get up and leave, Right. And, and so we head to the car and pretty soon it's lunch and, and then it's the game and it's a nap and we're getting ready for Monday and Monday hits and, and off we go. We're into the week and everything in Sunday's gone. And then we come back next Sunday and we just do the whole thing over again and, and we can kind of get caught up thinking, you know, it's, it's just you kind of go there and have this emotional moment, this, this experience with God and, and, and then it's over. You know, and, and there ends up not being this action. As a matter of fact, some of us, the, the interaction we're looking with is just a good scolding. You know, that's how you know you've been to church, if you've been scolded, right? I mean, think about it. We even have a little saying. I don't think this saying is used anywhere but church. You know, we hear a message, we'll say, boy, pastor, you sure stepped on my, yeah, stepped on my toes today. Whack! Man, if my toes are hurting, I know I've been to church. If, if I'm in pain, I know I've been to church. But you know what, folks? I read these words, and I'm thinking, I don't know that God is as concerned as whether our toes got stepped on or not, as whether our toes got moving, right? I don't think he's looking to bloody your toes this morning. I think he is looking to engage your toes and see those toes begin to move. So when I think about what we've heard these last couple of weeks, what would that movement look like? What would that action look like? Well, we've heard you need to be born again. Not pick this religion, do this. You need to be born again. Maybe you're here today and you're not quite sure what that means, what that looks like, how that would happen in your life. Maybe you're not sure if that has happened for you. Maybe you know that hasn't happened for you. 
Okay, well, if I hear the word of God, I hear Jesus saying, you must, not you should, not, hey, this is a really neat idea. Hey, this has made some people happy. That's not what he said. You must be born again. Well, act on that. Folks, when we leave here in a moment, we'll go out these doors, and you hear me say this almost every Sunday, back against the big window in the center of the concourse, there's a desk in the left-hand corner of that window. There's a group of people standing there waiting to visit with you, waiting to talk with you, answer your questions about what it means, what it looks like to be born again, how that can happen in your life right here today. You see, we hear, and then we act. So, I don't know, what is That seems kind of embarrassing. I don't know. You know what? People go out there almost every single Sunday. And none of them die from that. (laughs) They all get to make it to their car. Almost every Sunday somebody goes out there and talks to that desk about how I can be born again. Act on that. Many of us in here, we we have been born again. We've been brought into the family and now we have the responsibility of all this one anothering to do. These some 30 odd commands. Uh, You know, one of those I I love and it's there in the bulletin, Hebrews 10.24. I didn't quote the whole thing. It starts off by saying, do not forsake assembling together. Don't miss this moment. This gathering, this moment, this activity, it's to be a priority, it's to be important, it's to be a regular part of our lives. And when we gather, it's not just to sit in a building called a church, but when we gather, the goal is that we stir up one another to love and good deeds. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Now, I can sit in a building and not be stirred up. I can sit in a building and not stir anyone up or have anyone stir me up. No, see, that implies more than engaging with a building. It means I'm engaging with people. I'm I'm engaging in relationships. So I have to put myself in a relationship where I can be stirred up and, and where I have the opportunity to stir up others. And it says to do two things, love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. What is that? That's that's relationship and it's ministry. The result of our gathering, the result of our coming together this morning should be stronger relationships, stronger ministry. Deeper love, more good works. Now that relationship, that can happen a lot of ways here at the Heights. There's a lot of ways you can begin to to build friends, make friends so that you're worshiping together, serving together, growing in the Lord together, doing His work together. Probably the the biggest way that has the the biggest front door, that's easiest to start, easiest to get into, that is the most purposeful, consistent way of doing this one anothering would be our life group ministry. Here again, you're hearing God's word. You can act on that. Out in the concourse today, we're all set up so that you can go out there and learn about the life group ministry. We've got set up right in the center. As a matter of fact, if you look in your bulletin and you can get one on the way out, if you didn't get one on the way in, there's actually a a map of the concourse. It's color-coded and the color's out there. So you can say, hey, I'm looking for a life group. I need to go that direction. But when you get out there, you can look at some of our existing classes. You can look at some new classes, some classes that are starting with some hot topics and you can kind of see all that in the middle middle of your bulletin there and uh, it says they're all starting today because the idea was we were going to be here last week right that didn't quite work out we just pulled out this bolt said we're going to use it again but it will start next week but folks go out there and, and engage just just look around 
Just look and see what are the classes, what are the opportunities. And, and you go out there and, and you look and, and guess what? You're not making a commitment to be a part of that class till you die. You're not making a commitment to be a part of that class until Jesus comes back. You're saying, this is the class I'll start in. I'll try out this class. You know, for every person in here, we have probably, I say two, really we have at least three or four different options. You know, classes have personalities. And and you can walk into a class and and say, man, this is where I belong. And you can walk into a class and say, man, this is not so much me. You know what? That's okay. Okay. That's not saying anything bad about you. That's not saying anything bad about that class. Every class has a personality and we have more than one option. And I am confident in those options that are there for you. You'll find a place, you'll find a class that that you connect with. A group of people you can encourage and pray and help and serve one another. Go out there and check that out today. all, All you're doing is saying, hey, I'll start this class. I'll try out this class first that's that's about the extent of the commitment maybe you're here and you say well what about my children or my babies what about what whatever you choose we've got your kids covered we've got life group we've got worship for your children there's no putting together of a class and a worship service where oh gosh well now your kids aren't watching we've got your kids covered for both of those things while those things are going on in your life so let me encourage you to go out there today My goal here is stirring you up. Go check out the love. Go check out the relationship and see what kind of step you might take in that. And then there's the good deeds. Now, good deeds is a a broad term. And we can be be doing a good deed when we write somebody a note of encouragement or maybe buy them a meal. All the way to, as we just saw with Andy King, we're getting getting on a plane with a group of people to go feed the poor and build homes and share the gospel. Good deeds is a broad thing. We're focused, and what our series has been focused on, the good deeds, the ministry, the work that we do together. Which, by the way, the New Testament talks a whole lot more about what we do together than what we do by ourselves. And and what you have out in the concourse today, again, there's a map, uh, is different ways that you can be involved. As a matter of fact, inside we've got the top ten places. We don't have every ministry we have represented out there. As a matter of fact, mostly what's out there today is ministries inside these walls. Ministries that help us be the church. Ministries that help us care for one another and and make today happen and and every Sunday happen and Wednesday night and different things like that. Now, we have a lot of ministries outside the walls. Remember, a couple months ago, we had our Global Impact Conference. That, That was several days in which all we looked at was the ministries outside the walls of this church, in our community and around the world. And those ministries are there for you to look at. You can ask about those and we'll we'll get you information, we'll direct you. But what we're highlighting today is those ministries right here inside the family. This past uh, Wednesday night, I had an opportunity with our campus pastor out in Midlothian, uh, pa- uh, Buddy Ham, to, to meet with a, a lady out there that had just been born again a couple of Sundays ago. And uh, she was telling me a little bit about how she came to our church and everything. And, and she started talking about, you know, when I, when I, of course, this is out at Commonwealth 20, the theater there. And she was walking up to the theater and there's this gentleman out front. And, and she started talking about his smile and his genuineness and how, how you know, welcome that made her feel. And that kind of opened her heart to the gospel. And, and Buddy said, are you talking about, and he went on to describe the person. And she said, yeah, yeah, that, that's him. And he said, you know, that, that's funny. The reason he does does that 
is because he will tell you that, that he was born again, that he was one to Christ because of a parking lot attendant. And the way that person made him feel each week as he approached church, he said, and it opened my heart to the gospel, to a heart that was closed to church and was closed to the gospel. And, you know, I heard that story, obviously, knowing where I was going this morning. And it was just such a reminder, folks, every single role in the church counts. Some seem bigger, some seem smaller, some are very visible, some not so visible. But you know what? You never know what grabs a person's heart. You never know what makes something possible for something. Every single role counts. I want to encourage you to go out there, look around. Hey, what's the good work I can be a part of? What's the the ministry that I can do here at the Heights? How can I connect? And and when you go out there and you get engaged in in love, in a relationship, and you get engaged in good works and ministry, you get the t-shirt. I mean, wait, that's so much fun. Hey, you know, I, I know a t-shirt can look kind of gimmicky. And, and we've used a lot of t-shirts here at the Heights for different programs and things we've done. But I want you to know something. What I'm wearing, what many of you are wearing today, really is for us. I want you to hear me. It's not a gimmick. We, we thought about this, church, this shirt for months We thought about this saying for months. We thought about what was going on in our community, what's going on in our world, because, folks, we live in an incredibly disconnected world. We as people are more disconnected than we've ever been from God and from each other. We thought about the message of the New Testament. We thought about what what we want to wear, what we want to remind each other of, what a message we want to carry out into our world. So, see, this shirt isn't about a sermon series. It doesn't go in the bottom drawer. When this, this is something we're going to be carrying for a long time. And so, yeah, there, it might seem a little gimmicky. Folks, this is a message we want to carry. We want everyone to have a shirt. So I hope today you'll go out there and check that out. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 14, it uses an illustration of, of body parts. I think in the passage it talks about an ear or an eye. And, and what it says there, folks, is that my body parts, my, my finger, it finds its life, its strength, its vitality connected to the body. Connected to the hand, connected to the rest of the body. Apart from the body, severed, not a very pretty picture, but apart from the body, there, there's no life, there's no sense of purpose. And, and it describes that to describe you and me. Our relationship to the body of Christ is our life. It's our strength. It's, it's our sense of purpose in being related, in being connected to the body. Man, I hope you'll go out there today and see how you might connect in a life group, in a ministry. I'm about to be done, literally within 30 seconds. And we're getting done way early, but we're not done. We're just kind of following Jesus' model of preaching here. We've, hear, we've heard, we're listening, and now we're going to go and we're going to act so that we're building a life of wisdom and a life of strength. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide every single one of us individually right now. Guide us as we go out there and we we visit and we talk with different tables about life group, about ministry. God, would you guide us to what you have for us? Guide us to where you would have us individually connect. God, I lift this up to you because I see what your word says and I see how strong, how effective our church could be in our community, in our world, for the individuals in this room when we're connected, when we're living life with you together. 
God, guide us now as we go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that's it. Stand up, continue the sermon out there in the concourse. God bless you. I'll see you next week.